Hi, friends. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you like what we talk about here on the Belonging Podcast, I think you'll really love my book. It's called Root and Ritual, Timeless Ways to Connect to Land, Lineage, Community, and the Self. And it is available right now wherever books are sold. It is a beautifully illustrated guide to connecting with the earth, your ancestors, and your communities as you come home to your whole self. Though we live in a radically different looking world, the needs of our bodies and spirits are the same as the ancestors we come from. I divide this book into four parts, land, lineage, community, and self, and I take you on a journey for engaging more deeply with your life. I provide stories from my own life and I share rituals, recipes, and ancestral wisdom, journal prompts to support you on your individual and unique and sacred path. You can get more info and bonuses at rootandritualbook.com and pick it up at your favorite bookstore online or in person. Thanks for all your support. It means the world to me. Welcome to Belonging, a podcast that explores how to come home to yourself in the age of loneliness. I'm Becca Piastrelli, your host and guide on a journey of courageous reconnection. As we explore topics like ancestral wisdom, cultivating meaningful sisterhood, living with the seasons and cycles of the earth in your body, and what it means to be a good ancestor. Hello, and welcome back to Belonging. It's Becca Piastrelli here. Happy Gregorian New Year. Happy January. How are we doing? I am, how am I doing? I'm recording this on my first day, quote, back from winter hibernation. And I got to say, this is the year where I actually hibernated more than I ever have before. Well, that's actually not quite true. I was super offline, which was really nice, less into my inbox and less on social media, which really I needed a lot more than I'd care to admit. But I was also moving. So not quite naps all day long, but definitely away from the hustle and bustle of things, of life happening, and was really focused on moving my house I moved from a little cottage at the bottom of a valley a couple towns over to a hillside to a much bigger home. And I have been in that energetic shift of moving from a smaller cozy space where I was surrounded by community to a new space that is empty and more expansive and on a hillside, there's so much more to see. And during winter, literally during the depths of winter. So I've been trying to be gentle with myself. I'm sure if you listen to the episode or two before this, I basically was like, I'm going to do it like my ancestors did. And I really tried, but it was hard. It was hard. I have been learning a lot about expectations. And I'm committed to living with the seasons. I am committed to moving slower and being more still in the winter season 
and to move during a time like that was a challenge. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I've been saying it hasn't been quite um, traumatizing because I'm more sensitive to using that word nowadays, but I'd say it was, it's been quite unsettling. And I, I think I've been trying to rush the feeling of being settled, but you homeowners out there know it's a project at a time and taking care of yourself and just knowing that it's a journey being in a home and you can't just rush being done, capital D done. And I'm getting over my addiction to being done, <laughs> to crossing something off the list or checking the box or anything like that. So I'm in my new office right now, looking out over this hillside, across the canyon to the other side where the sun is lighting up the hill and I've moved away from redwood trees to oak trees, beautiful oak trees. And another tree I really should know the name of. I will find out the name of this tree soon and share. Lots of new tree friends. And I have to dig into getting to know this land. It is the responsible thing to do and something I deeply desire. So I'll be sharing more in the coming months about my process of coming home to this land to this house. Side note, the hot thing on Netflix right now, it moves so fast, is the Marie Kondo series, Tidying Up. Anyone here have read The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up? I watched an episode of that last night while I was purging my closet. Gosh, she is so delightful in her approach to tidying up. And what I loved about her when she starts in a home with a family or a couple is she kneels down on the house. She finds the perfect spot. She kneels down on the house. She gets really quiet and she closes her eyes and she thanks the home. She introduces herself and she thanks the home before she begins the purge process, which I think when I think about it can feel quite traumatic or at least very intense. And um, so I took that into practice today, this morning, and I spent some still moments out on my empty living room rug because we're lacking some furniture. And I looked out over this beautiful new view we have, and I thanked the house, especially because we did some renovations. And so I've been thinking about how intense that must have been for this house and this land. We're landscaping the backyard right now. We're digging up earth and we're moving things and we've we've dug up plants and there's a whole restoration process to happen, but we must start with the introduction and the hello. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. And here are my intentions. And my intentions are to settle in, in reciprocity with this land, but one step at a time and must sleep and nourish myself and move slow. So that's my winter dispatch of early January. Haven't really even gotten too into goal setting and intention setting. I'm pretty sure I have my word of the year. I don't know if you do a word for your year or resolutions, but my word for this year is liberate. And it means so much to me. It can mean liberate myself from the systems I live in that oppress me, liberate myself from the privilege I hold that oppresses others, liberate myself from the inherited beliefs about my value and my worth, and how I treat myself, liberate in so many ways. So there's probably more that will come from that as well. But that's where I am a few days into 2019. But yes, 2019 doesn't feel like a real number. I keep wondering what year it is. I'm like, is it 2018? Is it 2020? Somehow 2019 doesn't land with me. I'm sure in a few months it will, but wondering if you're having that 
Problem two. Anyways, today I wanted to talk to you about a trip I took that I've been talking about here and there in episodes. I took it back at the end of October when the veils were thinning and it was the time of the ancestors traditionally throughout many cultures, the time known as Samhain or Halloween. So in that sort of thin veiled time, I traveled to the lands of my ancestors. I went to Ireland for a spell, and then I went to the land of mythical Avalon to Glastonbury, England. And I've been getting a lot of questions about that. And I realize I haven't fully downloaded my experience there. And I think that's because it's actually still integrating. And I came back and immediately found out I was miscarrying and then had to host a retreat and then bought a house and and then, and then, and then, and then. So I've had to allow certain things to process and heal before I could really express what this particular pilgrimage meant to me. P.S. Thank you so much for all the love and outreach from the last episode that Jenny and I recorded about our experiences having miscarriages. It's been really beautiful to feel your witness and your honoring of our request and sharing our story. Wow. Really, really powerful. And if you haven't listened to that episode and you are interested in hearing my story about the last few years of trying to conceive a baby, you can take a look at that. Take a listen, I mean. So where to start? Oh my gosh. I think I have to drop into spiralic time instead of linear time because that's really what this trip and many of my pilgrimages to ancestral lands in Europe feels like is it feels like time travel. It doesn't feel quite linear, although I certainly have to keep track of time and itinerary and lights and things. But it all starts with a dream. And I've had people ask me about, what do you mean? And I've had other people say, I totally know what you mean. But it doesn't matter if you know what I mean or not. I'll I'll just share with you. So Ireland, first time I went to Ireland, I had a vision. If that term feels a little scary for you, I can say I just saw an image. I saw a movie playing. And it was women dressed in white on a vast green hill as the sun was setting. And I also just kept seeing Ireland. I just kept seeing the green hills of Ireland on Pinterest and in Facebook retargeting ads. I'm sure because I was clicking on things. It's not like I manifested it. It's like, oh, actually advertisement is retargeting me based on my search history. But even deeper than that, I kept coming to mind. Ireland kept coming to mind. And when I would think about it, um, when I would think about it, my eyes would water and my heart would race and I would feel that yearning, that longing, a call. I would feel a calling to it. And if you follow me at all, you know the history is I went over an autumn equinox, met some magical woman named Karen Ward. And then the following season of of light, Bealtaine or Beltane around 1st of May, I brought a group of women there this past spring and last spring, I should say. And wouldn't you know it, at sunset, we were all wearing white, carrying fire on a bright green hill in the center of Ireland. And I had a moment and said, oh, I dreamed this. I saw this. So important to listen to what's coming through to you, even if it doesn't make sense at the time or your rational mind, your linear Western mind judges it. 
or whatever comes through your inner critic tells you that's crazy, just honor it. Honor it. So Ireland, I had to pop over there first before I headed to the UK. And that is because I was finalizing all the details for the pilgrimage we'll be making this spring to Ireland again to celebrate Bealtaine, to celebrate the coming of the season of light, to celebrate ourselves and what's awakening in us, to access our ancestral wisdom that is in our bones, to unlock it, if you will, in a sacred circle. So I went to the place that we're hosting it, which is this gorgeous 180-acre Georgian estate that has been owned by the same family for generations, but has passed through the female line, which I think is so cool. And I had to sit by the roaring fire in the chilly autumn air and uh, pet the dogs and meet the matriarch of the family and make all the arrangements for our time there. And I popped over to Newgrange Monument, which I described in the winter folklore episode where I got to see what the winter solstice light looks like in there and see 5,000-year-old triple spirals and cave paintings and feel a deep knowing that my ancestors were buried there and that their wisdom still lives in me today. And it was a very, very powerful experience. And I'm so looking forward to going back there. And actually, if you're listening to this in close to real time and you're interested in joining us in Ireland this spring, I'm hosting a live information call, which means I'll answer your questions and I'll share a bit more about what we're going to do and what people commonly ask me or address resistance or even fears around the experience. And that'll be on January 15th at 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. And you can go to beccapiastrelli.com slash Ireland call to sign up. It'll be a Zoom call. So you'll see me on video and you can type in a chat box, whatever questions you have, and I will address them all. So yeah, join us January 15th at 530 Pacific, 830 Eastern. And the link again is beccapiastrelli.com slash Ireland call, or you can probably find it on my Instagram or on my Instagram. (laughs) That's where you'll find it. Okay, so I flew from Dublin, Ireland to London, and then I had a driver pick me up and drive me about two and a half hours west to the land of Arthurian legend, otherwise known as Glastonbury. So I'd really only heard of Glastonbury because there's a really big music festival there uh, in the summertime. And I think I saw it in like the second Bridget Jones's diary. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. In the second Bridget Jones's diary. Anyways, if any of you have seen that, that's at the Glastonbury festival where she's in a tent and then a few other movies. It's like kind of a big deal. But I'd also started to hear about Glastonbury among like the spiritual woo-woo crew. And they would refer to it as Avalon. I'm going to Avalon. And then I reread Mists of Avalon, which is such a beautiful and powerful book, but please know it was written in the 80s. It's not like some ancient text. It was written in the 1980s. It's a beautiful, beautiful account of the priestess side of Arthurian legend. Arthur's sister, Morgane of the fairies, 
it's so powerful. And it, I read it and it felt like, like remembrance. It felt like I knew of the things they were saying and it, it, um, the mists of Avalon and the tour and really she's describing the author is describing the landscape of Glastonbury. So then I have to come clean. I had, I had seen on online and I'd heard and like the various woo woo crews, I, I find myself dabbling and talking to that there are people taking pilgrimage to Avalon. And I straight up was shit talking that I will just own it. I remember saying to my friend, Jenny Muir, Avalon doesn't even exist. (laughs) And what's interesting, I laugh because of course now I just went on pilgrimage there I think it's that shadow side of us, you know, where it's like the things we're most critical of or perhaps have little nuggets of gold that show us what we truly desire. It's that whole thing of jealousy is just a mirror for your deepest desires of who you want to be and who you're becoming. So I think I saw Avalon as, I think it was, I, I connected it with, actually, I'm just processing this now. I connected the Avalonian lineage and the pilgrimage as like not as sacred as other indigenous places, other sacred indigenous places like Machu Picchu or the pyramids of Giza or, you know, the, the Ganges in India. I, I think that's a part of whiteness. Whoa. I think that's a part of sort of dulling down, the dulling down of European heritage through colonization and the rise of capitalism and patriarchy, there's some sort of belief system that I've been unpacking for a while around not seeing European, specifically British Isles, ancestral sacred sites and folklore as cool or as, um, this word makes me roll my eyes now, exotic are not as sacred as these other places that I grew up my whole life being obsessed with. So I was throwing shade, but I was watching. I was watching. And earlier in 2018, I had a dream about Avalon, specifically about the tour, which is this very large steep hill that's actually terraced with seven terraces. There's talk of it, each representing the seven chakras in the chakra system. And on top, there is a tower, very old tower. And I kept having dreams that I was on top of that tour. And I thought, oh, it's just like Mists of Avalon getting in my head because I had reread it at the end of 2017. And come on, come on, come on. But it just kept appearing. And then one morning I woke up and said, I'm supposed to go, supposed to go. It's so interesting because literally six months before I was like, no, whatever, but I just knew. And I started telling people, really close friends, texting them, looking up images, asking people who had went like, I think I'm supposed to go there. What do you think? And I got a lot of, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You got to go. So I booked a flight and I was like, the only time in my calendar I can go is the end of October, which is incredible because that is such a beautiful ancestral time. I should also mention, this is something I talked about when I did a workshop with Sarah Jenks called Night of the Ancestors, which is 
in November of 2017, I had had a vision that I had met my maternal grandmother, my mom's mom, on a place called the Island of Apples. And I didn't really know what it meant, but it was a really powerful experience where through journey, through journeying, so this means I was awake and I was staring into the flames of a fire and I'd just eaten an apple and I threw the apple core into the fire. And so this is apple core fire scrying. Whoa, so cool. And our teacher was Liz Milliarelli was leading us in a journey and I met my grandmother, who has since passed over, in the Island of Apples, in an apple orchard, and she led me to the grandmother apple tree who put a seed in my belly, which was to represent my baby, which feels tender to tell now, but still feels resonant nonetheless. And we had a really deep conversation about how my grandmother was healing the line, my maternal line, around going crazy around the women of my maternal line having children and going crazy because she literally had electroshock therapy treatment and numerous things happened to her where she was just judged as crazy. And she had some mental health issues as well. And she told me, I took, I took all that for you. So you won't go crazy. I find out later that Avalon means the Island of Apples. So it also felt like What's interesting is I had had that journey, but I was still kind of throwing shade and thinking sort of like Avalon, whatever. But then after that dream, it all clicked. Like, of course I'm supposed to go there. So I said, oh, I'm going in October. So I arrive. I take the two and a half hour drive from London Heathrow to Glastonbury. And I'm staying in this guest house that is at the foot of the tour and stands over the white spring, which is a very beautiful, sacred indoor spring. It's like a cavernous, candlelit, altar-strewn, gorgeous spring that I totally got in naked, by the way, and it was very cold, that is fed. It's a natural spring, water's fed from underneath the tour. And I was sleeping, (laughs) on this land and drinking these waters. I was so proud of myself for booking that. I didn't even really realize what I was booking, but this is what trusting your intuition will happen. And then across the street from the White Spring is the Chalice Well, which is a beautiful garden. And I could see it from the kitchen of my guest house. It's a beautiful garden, meditation garden, where the water that comes out is slightly red, which I think comes from iron. But it, you know, it feels like the feminine and masculine are meeting. And there's lots of conversations in Glastonbury about the energies of the feminine and masculine meeting there. And then it's also on a ley line, L-E-Y. Look up ley lines. It's pretty wild, but if you can see, many of the sacred sites around the world are built on basically you can trace a line. It's like a line of energy that goes through a land. I rolled my eyes initially, but I got to tell you, I literally went from one sacred site to the other one day and it just went down a straight line across the land. So I was staying literally on this line. And when I arrived there, 
it was a gorgeous sunset, like an epic sunset. And they had said, oh, it's been so misty and foggy here. You have to, you have to um, take advantage of this, of this sunset. And so I had, I went to climb the tour and I walked outside and I opened the latch to the gate and there are like sheep everywhere and they don't care about you. And I just find that so cute because I'm from, you know, suburban California where we don't see just sheep hanging out. And I climb this tour and it's kind of a heavy walk, but the higher and higher I get, the more I can see this beautiful, beautiful sunset and the surrounding lands. And the closer I get to the top of the tour where the tower is and I get to the top and it's stunning. It's beyond stunning. And the moon is rising as the sun is setting on the other side. And I just lay down on the ground and everyone around me is laying down on the ground. There's like some man, some like hippie looking man playing his drums inside the tower. It was just like, oh, this is cool. And I mean, my trip could have ended there. It's kind of beyond words. I'm actually struggling to use words right now. I feel like I may be using too many words because a lot of what the experience of pilgrimage is, is you study and you think it's going to be all history. It's going to be all this and that and folklore, but a lot of it is just a felt experience with the land and laying on top of that tour as the sun was setting and the moon was rising, surrounded by other pilgrims was really, really special. And at the bottom of the tour, there was a sign that says, this has been a pilgrimage site for 10,000 years. And so I will say Glastonbury is quite like new agey. <laughs> it's got a little bit of new age vibe, lots of like mystical shops selling crystals and dream catchers, which I feel is like a little slightly unethical. And, you know, Doreau readings and incense and all those things. And and I was talking, I met up with a woman there who lives there, who's lived there for 10 years. And she said, yes, this has always been a pilgrimage site. And right now it's for this you know, still like people of the Christian faith come here and people who are pagan or worship or uh, are connected to the Druid tradition come here. And yeah, there's a lot of new age people who come here now, but this has been a pilgrimage site nonetheless. And it's actually had me thinking about the sacred sites around the world, like Jerusalem or these ones that maybe many religions argue or fight over or lay claim to. And to think about this this land in Glastonbury, which used to be an island when this, it's so old that before the Romans came in and built a lot of dams and levees, the seawater would come in quite inland. If you look at Glastonbury on a map, you can see how inland it is. But this whole island of Avalon, the whole island and myths folklore all comes from the, the, the old topography of this place. And to know that for 10,000 years pre-Romans, that this has been a place where people have felt, our ancestors have felt something, something healing, something magnetizing. That really stuck with me. And it, it's, brought, it's brought a deeper awareness for the reverence I want to give for the sacred sites in the United States where I live, ones that even have had highways built over them or pipelines run through them where the bones of the ancestors of this land still live. Like how can we honor that they have too have been a site of pilgrimage or of honoring or of burial? How can we bring deeper reverence for that? You know, like no one's going to build a pipeline through the door of Glastonbury and yet they did it here in the United States. Think about Dapple, about a uh, standing rock. I actually have to say 
I have come home from that pilgrimage feeling a bit more ferocity in my bones around honoring the sacred sites of the ancestors of this land and encourage all of us and not just knowing the names of the original ancestors of the land you live on, but also knowing where their sacred sites were, where their burial grounds were, where they prayed. Really, and if it's not easily found, to go deeper, to dig deeper, to not stop just because it's not an easy Google and find it out, find it out. So a lot more happened, but I'm not going to give you my itinerary. I will say though, I had a very powerful experience sitting in a lot of tombs, in Longborough tombs, which looked a bit different from the Cairn tomb that I went into in Ireland, and a lot of standing stone circles. And I saw Stonehenge, which I already talked about, which looked a lot smaller. <laughs> but just connecting more to the stones and the waters, that's really what Avalon gave me. And I can't wait to go back and experience it more as far as how I've, how I've changed beyond just more ferocity for respecting the sacred sites of this land I live on now is to deepen my awareness of what lands call to me in my dreams, both waking and sleeping. And I was thinking, those of you that are listening who are like, I mean, I like to travel, Becca, but I don't really know how to get into this esoteric space you're talking about, which is being called to a land. You know, I've been having a lot of conversations on the phone with people who have applied to join me in Ireland this spring. And a lot of them say, I don't know what it is, but when I think about those green, soft green hills of Ireland, I could almost cry. Or when I hear an Irish fiddle, I get shivers all over my body, or I just I just keep knowing I'm supposed to go. And then I have some people who say, you know, I've done a lot of history and my ancestry and my genealogy, and it's time I go. Those are all callings. But if if you'd like to deepen your dream practice, which is something I've been working on for several years now, it really starts with intention. So maybe something you can do tonight before you go to sleep is really, you can even sit on your bed, sit up. I wouldn't lay down quite yet. You could burn some herbs or anoint yourself with oils or just drink a big glass of water. Maybe have a stone nearby. Really ground your energy. Feel your roots going into the earth. Feel the timelessness of your DNA. Feel like the depth of your being. Really feel into your intention and simply ask your guide, spirit, the earth, creator, your ancestors, the lands themselves. Will you show me where I'm called to? Will you show me where I'm to journey to? And this can work for any question, like a specific question, like, I'm not sure what to do with this work thing. Can I have some guidance to what will you have me do to what do I need to know? But pay attention with what comes through. And it's probably going to be super abstract, but just keep doing it. Keep doing it. I still have stress dreams where it doesn't make any sense or I'm reliving a missed test in college or whatever it is. But in between all of those, I see lands. So maybe you will too. And if you are feeling the call, 
And my words are helping you realize that. To Ireland, join us. Or join the call, the info call on January 15th at 5.30 Pacific. Go to BeccaPiastrelli.com slash Ireland call. So yeah, I'll share some pictures from my journey to mythical Avalon land of Arthurian legend, which is the lore of the land of the British Isles, King Arthur and Guinevere. I went past the burial spot where they exhumed the bones of King Arthur and Guinevere many, many years ago. It is protected at the Glastonbury Abbey. It is there. This is not just Disney. This is not just fun fairy tales. This is woven into the stories of the British Isles. So I will share more photos of that on the show notes for this episode. You can go to belongingpodcast.com and click on the latest episode and you can take a look at the pictures. So I definitely was nonlinear at the time, but that's what happens when you record an episode in the winter dream time. Thank you so much for listening and for tuning in every time you do. It means so much to me. It feeds me energetically in deep, deep ways. And I will see you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I know your time is sacred, and I hope this episode infused some inspiration and meaning into your day. For show notes, links, and references from this episode, you can go to belongingpodcast.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to Belonging on Apple Podcasts, and if you have a moment, leave a review. This helps my little podcast reach more listeners, and I would be ever so grateful.